What's up, Fight Fan? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Sunday, October 9th, 2022, and this week's episode, Don't Call It a Comeback. We'll be talking about the latest in MMA news. UFC Rio has a championship bout on deck, and we'll talk about the latest. Kevin Holland pranks the MMA world and announces the main event. Jake Paul and Anderson Silva are shaping up to have quite the interesting undercard. And we'll top off the show by talking about the upcoming strawweight main event on Saturday. Alexa Grasso taking on Viviani Araujo. As always, I am Gabriel Gonzalez and I'm joined by my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hey, Double G, how you doing? I am very well, Natalie Z. What about you? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty good. Not, not too bad. For a weekend with no MMA, right? Yeah, you know, it's actually... a little strange. It's always strange. I keep thinking, oh, yeah, I got to watch the fights. And then, well, there's nothing to watch. But uh, there's there's always news. There's always something going on. I don't know if it's this way for everybody, but I do find it's like, oh, well, you know, you'll do do what you want with your day. And it's like, there's so many options that it's kind of like... No, really, what do I want to do with an MMA-free week, you know? It's like, uh, you know, do I really want to do this? Do I want to go do that? Sometimes, like, I, I, I don't know. Sometimes too many choices. It's like, I well, it's I only get... freedom. Yeah. yeah, like, I only get one. What do I do with it? <laughs> but, you know, that's a testament to the grind. But, yeah, so, Vance, as always, since there was no major MMA this weekend, we're kind of just going to go right into MMA news. But first, I have to offer an apology. I announced it at the top of the last week's show. We had it on the paperwork and everything. And we got going. And we went to Bellator. And I was excited to talk about the possibility of Jake Paul having his MMA debut for the PFL pay-per-view. And I completely missed it. I need to apologize to both of these women. These warrior queens. Angela Lee. Jong Jing Nan. One championship on Amazon Prime Video 2. Um, Natalie, uh, we were ready and all that. I apologize to you. I got carried away. Um, that that five-rounder. I mean, just straight up. That that was just... You got some heart. You got technique. And really, um, if you remember, I think in 2020, I gave them my fight of the year. They have a little bit of everything except maybe that name recognition in the Western Hemisphere. Just, they have bad blood, they're on a roll, it's champ versus champ. Um, I really love the idea that they've both been unable to actually take the championship belt off of the other. Mm-hmm. And last Saturday, sorry, last Friday was just quite the, um, it was quite the show. And they put on another five-round classic. What do you remember from Angela and Jong Jing Nan? It was a, it was a war, it was really... Uh, impressive and surprising and it made me think you know of course one has the market corner in in Asia and so you know it would be great if you could somehow just extract them you know for whose benefit really just mine <laughs> but extract them from one bring that uh, rivalry to you know stateside to the UFC or any other promotion that that does more um, more work here and just really knock it out of the park because they're putting on shows that rival, you know, any male um, rivalry to use the word again um, in MMA. And then if you, if you just look at all the female MMA fighters, 
and all the matchups they've had. You know, there have been a couple of really awesome battles. Think um, uh, Wei Li Zhang and, and Yoana and Jatek, check, right? But this is probably the strongest, most active, you know, back and forth rivalry I've seen on the female MMA side. I can't think of another one except for the one I just mentioned. But, you know, think about how the second fight between them went. Yan Jacek got, got knocked out. So these fighters are giving it their all. And I am constantly was constantly surprised in this third matchup by how much, how tough Angela Lee is. Not that I didn't already know it. But that first round, she was done. Like getting knocked out, you know, looking dazed and never quit. She has so much heart. It was, it was thrilling, man. It really was. And so I just want to see it coming. As long as they're fired up to fight each other, I want to see them just keep fighting each other because they're really putting on one of the best shows in MMA right now. Oh, absolutely. Just the resilience on both of them. Just you think that Angela's done and just like how Angela does, she just roars back. And then, you know, Zhang obviously rallied and then, it just kind of became a nail-biter down to the finish, and Jong just stays ahead after all that effort from Angela. And, you know, you remember that one fights are scored completely different. They're not round by round. They kind of just, they're broken up into five-minute increments, but the judges essentially say after 25 minutes, well, who do I think won? Not, oh, well, you got points here, she got points there. No, just after all that, I just pick somebody, and it's like, oh, you know. It made for more stress. It made for high drama. Um, okay, like the whole fourth fight thing, I, I'd be lying. Look, uh, we know Angela is their girl. She's, you know, uh, obviously, you know, their homegrown person and this and that, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I don't, not for nothing, she is the one who got two chances to take the belt from Zhang. If Jong really wants to go for number four to try to take it off Angela again, I'm not saying it wouldn't be another good show, but it, suddenly it it becomes weird timing. And I do, ladies and gentlemen, you can't have too much of a good thing, right? <laughs> so, and I know because it's a weird thing, obviously Jong maybe tries to defend her title against somebody else who, let's be honest, in one won't be as big as Angela. But then Angela... You know, you run it back with Stamp Fairtex, who's, you know, if you'll remember, she won the tournament, and then she's the one who got to fight Angela in her return earlier this year. Um, Got her with the body shot, almost got her out of there. Angela roars back. Um, You could do a rematch. Stamp defeated another girl who's on a roll in Ritu Fogat on the uh, undercard. But, ah. It's like you can make it, but then I feel like, okay, I, I really do. Rematches just need to marinate after three. That's true. Like, uh, I'm so, even Moreno Figueredo, it's like, oh, well, that's good. But it's like, uh, you know, are you getting something new? Right. And even I argued that it's like with Alex and, Ma- Vol- you know, Volkanovski and Max Holloway. Uh, it's not that it's not good, but, you know, are we going to get a resolution really? We could, but. Talking about four now, it's just like, oh, well, you know, but not against it. I want to feel like there's something new, though, if we're going to run four, plain and simple. Is that fair? That's totally fair. And, you know, this is 
I'm, I'm entering dream world now, but you know, Angela Lee is so, so intriguing and, and that toughness. I just wish that we could do a, you know, Bellator Ryzen kind of deal with UFC just to see, like, don't you just want to see how she would do, uh, you know, and, and I guess what, what, where would she fight against? She's, um, she would be 115. Yeah. So technically their yeah. Adam weight straw weight is moved up. So technically their straw weight flyweight. So Angela is 115 champion. Zhang is 125 champion. Yeah. So I just, I would just love to see her in the, in the octagon. Right. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, you know, this is pie in the sky. I mean, but... with that with that grappling, I'd love to see her and Mackenzie. Yeah, I think that'd be a great fight. And then you just for Joan... have to ask yourself, you know, do this imagination game because because like you're pointing out, there's not a whole lot left or currently available for um for both fighters, and so you just have to sort of look elsewhere to uh to entertain yourself. But yeah, man, just freaking amazing. It was a killer fight. I was so so impressed, and and again, very happy to have one on Prime. Um, even though I will say it's still we're spoiled by ESPN, uh, UFC on ESPN Plus because they break out the fights individually. So I'm a little Na- navigation also runs a little faster on Plus as opposed yeah, to Prime. Yeah, it does. It should, yeah, it does. And so you just gotta, and they don't have the um, that little frame preview when you're oh, fast yeah, yeah, yeah. You know all these minor things, but you know they make a difference. Uh, yeah, but in any case, when you're yeah. when you're trying to break into the market, you want all the bells and whistles if you're going to commit, right? I would Be- think so because we get look at who's doing it the best and copy them. Because like, we get over, we get overfed with the UFC, mm-hmm. like you know it's once a week and it's um it's just once a week and so it's already a lot of commitment for people who. You know, if you're hard, the hardcore fans are always a small segment. You have plenty of people who are like, they don't even watch the full four, you know, three hour main card, six hour total, seven hour total broadcast, right? On a slow night, you know, so it's just a little bit of everything. You know, you want that accessibility. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's talk about the news. So... You know, that obviously happened, and then we get this news that, fine, I mean, this has been in the works for a while, but Brandon Moreno, Davison Figueiredo, number four, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, January 21st, so uh, let's talk about it. The last few have been in the United States. This one, we're going to Brazil, Davison Figueiredo, getting a huge, huge home field advantage, um, I guess uh, we'll, we'll get into it. I don't think they'll be the main event. They they got to really load up that undercard if they're the main event. But mm-hmm. this is number four, like we just talked about with Angela and Jong. So that kind of works with our segue. Do you feel like we'll actually see anything new going into number four? Maybe because I can't forget, even though Brandon Moreno won emphatically with that finish was it a liver shot no i can't no, i can't remember <laughs> against he, kai he, car he, oh yeah 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 against kai car friends the kick it was the oh, kick yeah, the, the toes the, into the the liver shot you know he was losing and he was losing rather clearly to me and so that makes me think 
um, that we could see something different, that maybe Moreno needs a little bit of a, of a longer break. Although, you know, January is pretty far away. Um, so that's my only, you know, flag. You know, I wouldn't even call it a red flag, a pink flag. Is that yeah? He wasn't looking very good against against Kaikar France until he did a you know a, a Leon Edwards right, but he did it first. Um, so so that's it. Otherwise, how much can two elite top of their game fighters evolve in 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 a relatively short time frame against each other? Seems hard to really isolate where that could happen. I don't know. Look at Vulcan Max Holloway. Yeah, man, that's a great point. That's a great point. And then <laughs> like you said that, says, and I'm like, hey, wait, 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 now. I know, I know, right? That was like next levels. Like he leveled up three times, and then you know, it's and like his says, Pokemon was, jumped was, over two levels compared to Max's one. Well, yeah, wasn't it makes it? you say, you know, when, when Volkanovski says, "Oh, well, I had a stomach bug uh, the last fight," it's like, oh man, does that mean that you could have beat Max like that that much earlier? Who knows? <laughs> but yeah, that's that's a really good point. Who do you think is the Volkanovsky in this scenario? It feels like it's supposed to be... Okay, technically speaking, it should be Brandon because he... Uh, wait, no. I guess it would be Davison because had the foul hadn't happened, I think the scorecards were supposed to be for Davison in the first one. Mm-hmm. He obviously won the third one. Yes, Brandon had a great second one, but I guess... The one who's ahead in the trilogy should be the one who's the, the Volk, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I I have to imagine the time off. I I, I want to say that it should help Davison, right? And you know, call it what it is, but I feel you got to imagine that energy at home could add a bit of that X factor. I think though that third fight was so eye opening in that we really saw. Probably the best Davison we've had in UFC. And that's saying something. Remember, he was lighting people up leading up to his uh, title shot. He was. In 2020. So, I really do feel like he is the one who has to almost get off a, you know. He's the one who has to kind of taper off if Brandon's going to win. Because I feel like the best Davison proved what they could do to a really good Brandon Moreno. That we yeah. got in the third one. Um, you also bring up a great point. Brandon was really struggling against Kai in the early going in that fight. And, it, you know, he did need to start having to put some really good together. Otherwise, he was getting away from him. I think that it's going to come down to how does Brandon approach this fourth fight? In that, does he kind of step into the fire a little more? earlier because I think that that was the thing is that he was very patient trying Mm -hmm. to counter Davison and Davison's output really just stayed ahead of him and some things you can't help Davison is more explosive than Brandon he's got more his shots do more damage in the pocket it was hard for Brandon in that third fight to rally because he couldn't make up that ground back every time Davison would land a good shot and I think that's something that is like okay do you feel like you're going to have to bang with Davison a little more because you can't be counting on trying to, you know, stick and move and win a 25-round fight that this time if Davison does what he does again? So I think that that's really the X factor. How will he execute it? Can he execute it? 
We'll talk about that in January. Sorry. But I will say that I think that that's really the key when you're breaking down that fight is if we're going to see something new from Brandon to get it done, he's going to have to change that particular part of the game. Otherwise, if Davison, it's on him now to kind of carry that energy of being back home and just have a great showing for himself once again. Yeah, I mean, I can't argue with you with you there. Um, and even still, like with all that being said and all the potential for this being a really good fight, it still feels a little bit like, I mean, like you were just talking about with Angela Lee, right? Let it marinate a little bit. Has this marinated long enough for you? You know what? No, and I just, uh, you, I'll be honest, like you see Alessandra Pantoja out there and it's like, I kind of want these fights to happen. You yeah, know? And I do too. It's don't get me. I get it, but it's like the. It's almost like the promotion now is stuck in this place because at first, you know, with Demetrius, it just felt like there was no heat for the flyweights. Now there's finally some steam, but you're deadlocked because these two have been so freaking good three times already. Yeah, and they're both popular. Especially Brandon in uh, for UFC, so it's just it's a good problem to have if you're a fan and if you're UFC. But I'd be lying if I said I don't. I also kind of want more out of it. I don't want the only Brandon Moreno fight I see. I know he just fought Kai, but I don't want the only fight I see to be him against Davison. There's so many guys. Yeah, I mean, same for Davison about... Figueroa and vice exactly. versa. And the, the damage that you're taking on your body, right? Like, do you want your your capital wasted on the same guy over and over and over again? <laughs> oh, know? yeah. I'm sure freaking Brandon is like, well, let's say Brandon wins. Do you want to do number five? Man, how many do you want? <laughs> no, gracias. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, the undercard. So, like I said, they could headline them. They have to really stack that co-main, the Coco as they call it, third from mm-hmm. the top after that. Could they main event? Yes, but I'm talking we'd have to see, like, Paulo Costa against um, Hamza Chimaev in Brazil. We'd have to see... Uh, uh, I'm sorry, I know he retired, and I know he called it Jose Aldo mm-hmm. encore performance. <laughs> if, if, you you triple, you stack the deck with those two fights, I could see Davison and Brandon staying there because... The only other title fight I would imagine is Amanda Nunes against somebody, preferably Irene Aldana. Um, I know Juliana Pena was out on social media. I'm not going to acknowledge that. I want to see Irene Aldana fight the title, fight for the title. Um, I think it's more exciting. I think Juliana needs to show up and show out against uh, Macy Chasson or someone like that. Um, then we could talk about a trilogy. But for right now, I think Amanda's the only other title holder. I don't see Charles Oliveira making a quick turnaround, even if he smokes Islam Mahachev next week. Just, why would you? You had to do all this work. You're going into enemy territory. Uh, You've been active, you know, two title fights a year. Um, Why rush it? I think that whatever's going to happen next, if it's the... And we'll talk about it, whether it's the winner of Darius and Matus Gamrod, if it's Habib, let's just pie in the sky it. <laughs> You're going to wait, and it doesn't have to be Brazil. Brazil is not going anywhere. You will fight there eventually, belt or no belt. 
like you deserve you know to set and have a full camp no injuries ish you know in your next one so that's a long way of saying they're gonna try to add Amanda Nunes in my opinion and then see who's available on the undercard I like Nunes Aldana the idea of Charles Oliveira doing a quick turnaround is awesome and it's 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 something that if he agreed would be everybody would be really a really keen on him that big gangster once again right exactly but it's like okay who are you gonna do this against because you're still in like the killer division (laughs) and if you're looking at your top five top six even you know Rafael Fazeev at seven like you're still in trouble I think you want a training camp so I think the only way it could be a turnaround fight is if it's it has to be personal and so in that case the only way it could be personal is if he loses to Makachev and and then you know both agree to do a quick turnaround. But why would you if you're Islam in that point in that um, in that instance? So yeah, I don't see it happening. But it would be a, yes, it would be gangster for sure. Rafael dos Anjos? Why would he agree? I don't know. <laughs> exactly. I'm trying to. I mean, let me look at some of the rankings. They like Marina Rodriguez fights in November or, or oh, no. Mm. I was going to say Rose Namajunas title eliminator, but that wouldn't make sense on the calendar. Uh, They already added Johnny Walker, Paul Craig. That's a good fight, by the way. Get Gilbert. Wait, Gilbert Burns has got to fight. I remember. I don't know. Uh, You know what? Yeah. Paulo Costa against anybody, preferably Hamzat. If Hamzat's not getting Colby Covington this year, but. Yeah, th- th- those are the only ones that really cross my mind. Um, obviously, you could. There's a dozen Brazilians outside of top five, you know, yeah. in the UFC. But Paulo Costa, and then let's see who else we got. So yeah, Davison, Amanda, Paulo, and I think Paulo gets Hamzat if they can't make Hamzat Colby, like they can't get it on the calendar. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. Okay. Anyway, um, moving on. So this one, okay, you know we had a slow week when something like this makes the, you know, makes the schedule. So Kevin Holland, after the fight with Hamzad a couple weeks ago, he says, you know, I'm just done. You know, like, I made my money, I'm young, this is a tough sport, uh, I'm just, uh, I'm out, right? And Mm -hmm. obviously, no, that ain't true, and... And he does the whole thing. He goes, no, man, I'm seriously retired. If they come at me with something great, maybe. But, you know, I've been in this. I had my big fight. I made my money. And, you know, there's no MMA going on, Natalie. So, (laughs) like, MMA fighting is posting the whole graphic and all that on Instagram and Twitter. It was a slow week. And so it's like, oh, man. It's like, well... uh, to each their own, right? Thanks, mm-hmm. Kevin. One day later on UFC Instagram, Kevin Holland, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, five rounds, December 3rd in Orlando. And I was like, oh, Kella. It was <laughs> that freaking the gif, the meme. Oh, they had us in the first half. I was like, oh, my. Um, what were your thoughts on just how he how he played all that? Put it that way. Um, it was silly because I believed him. <laughs> It was like his own podcast that he did it on, True. right? And so I was like, oh, I was like, 
man, I said, I thought to myself, he must have really taken that, that, you know, comes out loss hard. And I mean, he did get pretty owned, but it was a last minute fight. Yeah. I wouldn't take it so seriously. And, you know, maybe was talking all that beef before, uh, I believed him and I thought it was strange considering, you know, the, the, the wave he's been riding. Um, and then, yeah, then the wonder boy news and, it was so annoying that I just, I didn't even like, I saw it and I was like, oh, geez, all right. And then I just moved on with my life because it was just like, okay, I wasted mental, you know, mental space on wondering, wondering why you retired and you were just pranking us. But what value is there in pranking us? That I don't get because, well, I guess he thought he needed to create uh, energy around this fight matchup. I, I don't know. I don't understand. I will say it's a, I think it's like when Connor does stuff when other people kind of Henry Cejudo I think is the uh -huh. most Yeah. I'm going to uh, I'll say it Henry the most obnoxious about it staying in the news when you're not fighting. You yeah. know that cuz then it's like you know the fans don't forget about you you're just kind of there all year long to get attention and make money. Okay. You know, the, you run out of gas eventually, right? Eventually the next new thing comes along. I get it. But, um, you know, sometimes it goes well. Other times you are sick of hearing to some people. I give Holland props. He committed to it. He clearly saw people were running with it. And he said, well, you know what? I know the truth. I'm going to just have some fun with everybody. And really, yeah. why not? Now, mind you, if you fell for it, which I did partially, I was like, well, do I stop, like, when, oh, who's gonna, who's he gonna fight next? Do I stop saying Kevin Holland now? <laughs> you know? Yeah. You get what I'm saying? I that's, do. Th th that's He's how I felt. conversation, yeah. Yeah, that's how I felt. I'm like, did I think it was done? Probably not, but then I'm like, ah, oh, well, I'm not gonna discuss Kevin now, and it's like, ah, well, that little bit I gave Kevin, he got to run with it, so well done. <laughs> um, Look, so obviously, Kevin looks, looked good at 170, the fight with Hamzat notwithstanding, and look, I mean, I don't even know how you categorize that fight with Hamzat. Just bad style matchup, wrong dude, wrong time. Yeah. <laughs> just, I don't know what to say. Johnny Hendricks dropped the ball, apparently, you know, because he's training Kevin Holland on his wrestling. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, Wonderboy Thompson, perennial contender, but... The last two haven't really looked really good for him, you know. Obviously, no. stifled against Burns, uh, pretty much routed by Bilal Muhammad. And you're talking about a guy who, you know, last, yeah, 2021, last May, June, we were saying, hey, he beats Burns. He could be on the short list for a guy like Kamara Usman on his name mm -hmm. value and resume. Now, obviously, the welterweight division, it's all these, you know, Kamaru, Leon, Hamzat, Colby, you know, all these guys, uh, and Bilal, Sean Brady, and really Wonderboy is now on the outside looking in at it. Mm -hmm. So this is a really big fight in terms of, you know, is he, is he kind of making his way out of that top 10 after so many years in the game, or is he still out there with something to prove now? Kevin Holland has a decent submission game, but you almost feel like this fight is on purpose with someone who you think is going to strike with him. 
So I think that that makes this for a lot of fun on paper at a glance. What about you? Yes, it makes me a little nervous for all the reasons you stated. You know, Wonder Boy is one of my favorite fighters, and so I just want to see him, you know, maintain his his dignity and and be able to just continue to fight the way he fights and, and get some more wins before he has to ride off into the sunset. Um, but it's a good fight, and so I think both both fighters are going to be able to fight the in the way they most prefer you know, stand up and, uh, and hopefully they'll just, they'll just get after it. Um, but yeah, it makes me a little nervous for wonder boy. Also, I was reading the comments about when I read about the, the matchup and like, um, some people really have an issue with wonder boy's nickname, apparently <laughs> like At 40 they, years old is he's yes. not the wonder man yet. <laughs> yeah. Like they, they're really hating on him still being the wonder boy. And it's like, I mean, he, but his spirit, he is wonder boy. <laughs> I just think it's such a silly thing to pick on. The guy is so cool, so nice. Genuinely seems like a really, truly good human being. And um, whatever, he's the Wonder Boy. I'll leave it at that. I watched one of his videos for Helwani after he turned forty, and the the you know I th- I feel like it came up, but he's like you know what's it like turning forty? Like bro, like you don't even call the doctor; they call you about doing a colonoscopy when you turn forty. <laughs> <laughs> and he said it's like. You know, it's like Wonder Boy is, get, you know, going through what now? So, you know, kind of like Oscar De La Hoya. If he called himself the Golden Man, it's just not the same. It's not you know, the same, like, yeah. You get why they call him that. And I think people just, you know, like Macy Barber. When are you going to go from the future to the present? It's like, <laughs> oh, come mm. on, people. Yep. Let it go. Uh Look, I like him, but Rory McDonald, I understand rebranding, but you should only be allowed one nickname change in your career yeah. when you're at high level. He went through three. I felt like he tried to get four, but someone told him, no, no, we're serious, Rory. <laughs> you know? What and I get the, it. The Red King and... Uh... Aries and then Aries. Waterboy. Which, okay, well, Waterboy was a necessary change. Red King, it's like, uh, Rory. Rory, Aries was fine. Come on. <laughs> but, all right, That's you funny. know, to yeah. each their own. Let, yep. If you want t-shirts to say the Red King, far be it from me to stop you, Rory. <laughs> anyway. Um, fun fight. We'll talk about it soon, December 3rd. Uh, so UFC going to Orlando. I believe that's their last um, field trip after Abu Dhabi in New York. So... Okay. We're talking about, you know, we're at the end of this week, we'll be in mid-October. So out of the next however many weeks in 2022, we have essentially three field trips, Abu Dhabi, New York, Orlando. The rest is all UFC Apex or T-Mobile for uh, 282. Yeah, it should be 282. The Vegas pay-per-view. Let's see. I believe so. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 81 uh, is, yeah, because 280 is next week. 81 is MSG. 82 would be T-Mobile. Yeah. There we go. Um, however, before we move on to uh, the fight pre- breakdown, uh, Perth, Australia is expected to, you know, essentially UFC is expected to return to the city to have an event, to have a pay-per-view next February um, Natalie, I hear that, and my mind automatically thinks Volkanovski, Yair Rodriguez. 
I feel like how Volk is the only Australian champion. Um, obviously, Robert Whitaker in a co-main event with somebody. Maybe Paolo. If Paolo can't get Hamsat, I mean, you know, why not? Uh, I just think that there are options. I think that it's a, you know, you could stack that with some of the, uh, the talent now. Obviously, you know, half the city kickboxing guys are Australian. Put them all on there. Israel Adesanya sits, sits front row and he has to remind people that he's technically New Zealand, not Australia. So he can't get all invested, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's what came to my mind. What about you? Yeah, pretty much. There's there's no other headliner that I could think of. Um, if you want to stay local, right? Uh, keep it local. Yeah. Yeah. Yar Yar is next, and um, that's it. And which is crazy when you think about the rise Ortega was on. You know, the fight against Holloway, the fight against. Uh, Volkanovski, and then who did he just fight? Where he got? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, yeah, and and you, I'm just thinking about that division and how these names were, you know, were these fighters were just rising to the top and looking like they were going to really do some special stuff, and they did, they did. But you know, um, Volkanovski managed to stay above it all and and stay champion. So it's it's pretty impressive, and yeah, that that makes perfect sense. I don't see why you would do anybody else. Yeah, I know Josh Emmett is out there. Josh, uh, who, uh, what did they just have? If I were Josh, I would have tried. Uh, and mind you, maybe that wasn't his call. Maybe he's expecting to see, hey, until I know pen is to paper on Yair Volk, I, I keep my hand in the running for that fight. But I felt like him and Arnold Allen, if he couldn't get the title shot, I mean... I feel like it's a good time to get Arnold just on the activity alone. So, but look, they they went Arnold Allen, Calvin Cater. Right. Th- that's at the end of this month. You know, October. coming up already. Yeah. But um, but the fact is, uh, yeah, Yair's name value. He was always going to be the front runner for the title shot. Sorry, Josh. <laughs> um, I think, jo- like I said, Josh should be ready to back up. Josh should be ready for Allen. You know, assuming Volk maybe takes aim at lightweight if uh he gets past Yair so yeah it, it's just a lot what I will say is that now what happens at lightweight because we'll talk about it next week obviously and obviously two weeks from now you know the results but there's obviously a lot of directions they could go depending on who wins and how and why and this and that but yeah, uh, I want to see Vulcan. I want to see Whitaker on that card. And I don't know why you wouldn't do it. So there we go. Yep. Um, before we talk about Alexa Grasso and Viviani Arrojo, uh, let's talk about Natalie's favorite thing to talk about. Uh, Jake Paul and Anderson <laughs> Silva. Yeah. Uh, specifically the undercard. The undercard is getting some very interesting... Uh, the, I got to say, this is the most thriller sounding uh, undercard we've had in a while. Yeah. So... The most notable, Uriah Hall, former UFC middleweight, the last person to fight Anderson Silva in MMA, will be taking on former NFL running back Le'Veon Bell. Bell just had his own boxing debut against Adrian Peterson, another running back if you follow football. Um, And yeah, uh, obviously Uriah Hall, after Anderson, ended up on a two-fight skid, Andre Muniz, Sean Strickland. 
Um, so those two are going to be fighting. And obviously people have questions on Le'Veon Bell. Is Can the sires really bail you out against a guy who's, let's just be honest, a natural striker in Uriah? We're going to mm-hmm. see. Um, by the way, if you didn't see it, Natalie, Le'Veon Bell fought on this, like, it was literally promoted as a influencer's, like, essentially people who don't box boxing okay event so they had like nick young lakers swaggy p on there it was uh let me just tell you something the the bubble has officially burst it's officially a thing anyway but that's the i want to say that's the co-main you got teenage prospect ashton Silve, sylvie i'm sorry sir young man I will get it. Taking on Braulio Rodriguez, who's 20-4. and four. Ashton is 7-0. and oh. Nate Diaz's teammate, Chris Avila, 8-9 MMA, 1-1 in boxing, will take on Mikhail Varshavsky, a.k.a. Dr. Mike. Dr. Mike is making his pro debut. He's won one exhibition fight. Not for nothing, Chris Avila fought Jake Paul's teammate, Anthony Taylor, on the Woodley the Woodley rematch undercard not for nothing Anthony Taylor also fought Tommy Fury and you guys will remember <laughs> they thought that was going to lead to a fight for Fury and Paul this is Paul. like Rose place <laughs> exactly everyone knows each other uh-huh. um, yeah so pretty much though Chris Avila is looking to make his own way up and make some noise too is what I'm getting at and not for nothing Dr. Mike is also by the way if you look at his tapology it's like a photo shoot of him and his uh, scrubs and lab coat, I believe. Oh, my God. I'm going to look it up right now. <laughs> he is. A, so just so you know, Dr. Mike is a board certified family physician with 23 million followers on social media. Wow. 23 million. I, I know. Right. That's serious. Dang. Hey. For someone I've never heard of. <laughs> What's up, Doc? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Anyway. That's hilarious. Um, so what are your thoughts, Natalie? Okay, so interesting. <laughs> like you're still hung up on the Dr. Heaven 23 million. I was trying to look it up, but I didn't spell his name. <laughs> if you just look up Dr. Mike on Tapology, he doesn't show up, so you have to put his name. Uh, my first thoughts were, when I first read... So actually, it, well, 4.4 on Instagram alone. Let me double check where he has the other ones. That's more than me. That's for okay. Sure. <laughs> anyway, keep going. The Uriah Hall matchup, I mis, um, misread the, the opponent, and I thought it was um, the ball, one of the ball brothers from, you know, basketball. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, my God, that was fast. <laughs> but my question to you is, these professional athletes that we know make way more money than UFC fighters and than most boxers unless you're, you know, Canelo status. Why are they why are they entering this boxing world? Do you think they need the money or it's easy money and they're having fun? They get to beat somebody up? Like what's the appeal here? You know, if I had to take a guess, I think that um everything's about finding something to do right and i think that you have these guys who are great athletes they're still great athletes but like everything else it's hard to keep up running down the field or the court when you got this 20 something you know 
also equally physically gifted, and the engine's newer, there's less wear and tear, they haven't had to recover from X amount of surgeries, their bodies aren't worn down and beat up from years in the league. So I think that there's just this desire to like, hey, like, I'd, like okay, the second you're done playing NFL football, NBA basketball, you don't want to, it's suddenly like, oh, well, I guess I'm just going to be a businessman. Like, no, I could still do stuff. It just, I can't keep up with the Patrick Mahomes and trying to chase these young guys down on the field. Yeah. So I would imagine part of part of it is that. Part of it is that not all of them made all that money. You know, not not everyone's a Tom Brady or a LeBron, right? You know, plenty of solid players who are only paycheck to paycheck. These guys that they're picking up did make money, but I, once again, that even for rich people, there's still brackets, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of popular guys in NFL. They haven't all made Tom Brady money. Right. And I think that that's one thing. So if they see a paycheck, they're probably still... Who turns it down if you know that you could get after it and you're competitive? Which is how they've stayed at the top of the league for so long and become a big name. All of those things are what I imagine are the essentially how they do it and why they do it. But if I had to put my finger on it, that's just what it is. Like, you can and they're paying you good to do it. So why not? Yeah, there's still that desire to compete, right? You've been yeah. your whole life has been geared towards competing, and yeah, you can't do it in your original sport. But yeah, yeah, that that makes sense, and it's obviously going to work to attract a lot of attention for them as fighters and for the promotions. This is Showtime, right? This is yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, look, Showtime is wisely separating the levels the the caliber of fighting right the this card with jake paul they're gonna line it up with fighters in that world that are you know not true longtime professional boxers you know versus a regular showtime card that they would put on so they're they're doing they're doing a smart thing and they're making extra money and um and then uh by the way yeah i saw dr mike's picture just now wow (laughs) That's amazing. I mean, that's a new one on topology, isn't it? That's that's great. He's so so clever to post his picture. He's very handsome. Um, he looks to be way bigger than Chris Avila, at least from <laughs> one of my memory of Chris Avila. Uh, so we'll see how that shakes out. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. I went through. So he's got the 2.2 million mil on IG. He's got like another one and a half on TikTok. And uh, Twitter, he has 350K, so... Hmm. Um, once again, like, you know, I can only, (laughs) I can only dream of what that number must feel like when you log into your account, but that's another problem, right? Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) So, but, uh, moving on. Uh, one thing I will say is that I like this approach from Showtime. I think that they are trying to fully embrace the fact that you want to make a card that I think rather than split the audience, you want to just pick one and lean into it. Yeah. So we talked about, you know, trying to branch out Jake Paul to other people. I think they're like, look, that's going to happen just by pure osmosis being on Showtime. Showtime viewers 
are going to see the commercial on all their Showtime programming that they already watch. It's, uh, you know, it's already a big platform. There's going to be some crossover just because you have the, you know, you have the access. Um, I do think it's still pay-per-view, but you get what I mean. Then, you know, like, hey, like, we don't want to make an event that almost alienates what makes Jake Paul worth the money in the first place. Yeah. Like, okay, they want to see him. They want to see this. And guess what? There's a market for it. There's an audience. There's dollar signs. So, yeah, with Le'Veon Bell and Uriah. Okay, cool. Uh, you know, the WTFness of Dr. Mike. Okay, there we go. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, trying to build up a young kid who I'd have to check, but I know that Jake Paul was you know promoting him i imagine there's a bit of a branding like you know like ryan garcia embracing being a gen zer embrace the fact that you know how to brand yourself on social media and look there's an audience that gravitates toward that you know there's another generation of fans that love boxing that live on tiktok you know just like plenty of young younger people so I like that they are embracing that. They're not trying to flesh this out and try to tell us he's this great boxer. No, they're specifically telling you we're putting on the, I'll say, extracurricular type of event. Right. And I like it. I think it's good. It's smart. I'm not mad at it. I I also like it, surprisingly. I prefer it over what Triller tried to do with mixing the music and you know the, the the shows were way too long and it really only suited some corner of boxing fans during the boxing fights and then music fans during the performances I the music like... was just too much too hit yeah, or miss because it's like miss. you know it's like it i don't think fans were ready to the idea part of the pay-per-view is the music i think that that just is really what undid a, a lot of those thriller events because it's like, well, you know, if the boxing's not good and I'm not into the music, what am I tuning in for? Right, and it's just prolonging yes. everything. Right? Yeah, suddenly it's like you just want to get to it, right? So, yeah. yeah, that's fair. Like I said, I'm not uh, against him having an artist walk him out, but I don't know if I want the concert again. No, please no. <laughs> Even the Beeps. I'm sorry, Beeps. It just... In the, alone, it's okay, but together, it's too much, you know? Like pizza and ice cream. It's just, you know, one or the other. You're not going to feel good if you eat both of those back-to-back. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Perfect point. <laughs> not going to add any more. Let's move on. This Saturday, EOC Vegas 62 at the Apex... And we have a very important flyweight fight. Um, if I said strawweight at the beginning of the show, my bad. Um, Alexa Grasso taking on Viviani Araujo. So obviously this fight rescheduled from San Diego uh, last month. Was it? Yeah, last month. Um, or late August. Viviani just um, re- really, really complete fighter. Really tough. Um, overcame adversity in her fight with Andrea Lee earlier this year. And then Alexa, she's just been one of those girls just kind of like really trying to get 
through breakthrough from prospect to top contender. And she looked good in several other fights. Obviously beat Macy Barber, beat Joanne Wood, another veteran who's been up there for the title shot before. And I think that this is a very important fight in that you look good. Suddenly it's a two-person race. And next week we're going to talk about Kaylin Chikagian and Manon Fioto, who's obviously the front runner. But Alexa and Viviani could just sneak right in there if they look good. And as we've said, anything can happen. Girls get hurt. Girls are not on the right schedule. Things happen. And then suddenly you have someone who's right in there for a title shot again. So I do think that this is a very important fight considering where we're at with Valentina. Considering we don't have another fight for Tyler Santos yet. The winner of this one could easily sneak right in for a title shot. High stakes, stylistically fun fight. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it is high stakes, and I'm looking forward to this. I'm a big Alexa Grasso fan. You know, her and Irene Aldana out of a Lobo gym, I think it is. Yep. They're just such great boxers, and it's nice to see really, really excellent boxing in MMA. And they've, they've also developed all the other aspects, too. Over time, Grasso just submitted Joanne Wood, and it was she did it pretty easily. Now, you know, Joanne's not known for her grappling, so it wasn't the most difficult maneuvering to get there to that to that rear naked choke, but it was still really impressive. And Joanne Wood is one of those fighters that some days she looks like she's really on, her striking is sharp, and some days it's not. Her striking looked pretty good. So it could have been a good stand-up war, but Alexa took advantage uh, of the opening got her on the ground and it was a relatively easy submission so i'm excited to see how she looks always uh viviani is is newer to to my screen but obviously i've seen some of the fights i was watching um the caitlin chukagian fight recently and she looked pretty good there her striking was solid she's got that ferocity that you see in a lot of the uh, the female brazilian fighters and i think it's going to be a really great stand-up battle. What happens when they get to the ground, though? That's kind of uh, the question I have because Grasso's obviously developed a lot of her her grappling skill sets. And I'm going to have to ask you on this one, what's Viviani's level there? I mean, I, I think she's pretty good on the ground, but I'm I'm not too uh, educated on, on her, uh, her skill sets there. I mean, she's well-rounded. I think that that was the key that essentially got her the win against Andrea Lee. Um, came back, rallied back, was able to complete her takedowns and really stifled that fight from there after the first round. So, yeah, uh, she knows what she's doing. Now, look, is she a Carla Sparza, Tatiana Suarez? No. But, you know, I think she puts it together really well is what makes her a difficult challenge. And I think that that's really the key is that I think that Alexa might be the more gifted athlete in terms of speed. And actually, I have to look at the stats. I feel like Alexa might be a little taller and rangier, but I have to double check that. Um, but the point of that is that Viviani, I think, may be a more complete fighter, if not the more, if not the less physically gifted. So, yeah, pulling those up. Yeah, Alexa's a little taller. Actually, Viviani's reach is a little longer. Uh, yeah, so... Slightly longer arms on Viviani. Uh, taller overall and longer legs for Alexa. Okay. 
by all, all by just a little bit, one two inches, nothing, not John Jones seven inch reach advantage right. on everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I, you know, even with with those questions in mind, I still think Alexa's going to be the better fighter, or she's going to come out on top. Uh, her boxing is way better than Viviani's, and I think that what she's done with her with her grappling how she's developed that over the last couple of years i think there's enough there for uh, strong defense against whatever viviani has to offer i don't think she's going to be able to submit her i don't think grasso will be able to submit uh, viviani but i think she'll be able to stave off any any serious attack there so i sort of see the stain on the feet mostly and in that um in that respect i think grasso will win by decision um unanimous decision she's just gonna outpoint her that's how i see it going down i think a big part of this fight is the fact that they um they've had they've been scheduled uh two times before already so they were gonna fight on the san diego card they were supposed to fight in january i'm trying to pull this up why were they canceled i'm trying to remember who actually yeah viviani got hurt in january and then i heard it was I believe they said that it was a issue on Alexa's side why they didn't get the fight done this summer. But now they're graduating to a five-round fight as opposed to three. So I think that that's a real big X factor in what we're going to see. I, I, I tend to agree with you. I think that just the speed and the just the confidence on Alexa. I think that she's in. she's hitting her stride. She's putting it together. I think that she knows that this is kind of her time when she's still, you know, look, she's still on the good side of 30. Uh, she's on the short list by process of elimination at flyweight to fight uh, Valentina. She knows that she's she wins this one. It's title shot or maybe one away. That's a great spot to be in. She knows that she gets that win. She's officially in the conversation. It's not just, oh, we ran out of people. So I think that that's very clear. For Viviani, uh, you got to think she's watched those fights with Carla, watched those fights with Tatiana. Feels like, hey, just get in her face a bit, complete these takedowns. I can get this one and really leapfrog myself into the conversation. But once again, you talk about that, the maturity of Alexa Grasso over the years. Still has that great boxing. Still has uh, all of those attributes, but just at flyweight now, she's gotten a little older. Just really showing off those little bits of the game to defend the takedowns, to stop the takedowns, and just really keep the fight where she wants it. I think that that's really going to be the key. Can she get it done? I feel like she can as well. I'm with you. I'm going to go decision. I think that Viviani is going to be a tough girl to put away. I think Viviani is going to bite down on her mouthpiece and she's going to give it everything. But I think that it's going to just be one of those fights where she has trouble getting to Alexa in the first place. And essentially that's, what's going to give Alexa the win on the volume and in the technicality. So yeah, I'm with you. Alexa Grasso unanimous decision. All right. Yeah. So there we go. Uh, Natalie will obviously talk about what happens between Alexa and Viviani, but it is finally here. It's time. UFC 280. Charles, yeah. Islam, Aljo, Peter, uh, sorry, Aljo, TJ, Sean, Peter, 
Bilal, Sean, Caitlin, Manon, um, uh, what else is on there? It just pick something. Uh, the card is so flippin' stacked. Benil. But yes, Benil, <laughs> Benil, Matus. I. It is. Do you know what? I am just so. I am the most ready as a ready person can be. Ready to just watch this broadcast. That is how excited I am for it. What about you? Yeah, I'm really, I'm really thrilled for it. And they, I mean, they're putting all their eggs in the in the Abu Dhabi basket with this card. I mean, they're they're giving them a lot, a lot of good stuff here. So I'm I'm excited for all of it. Just looking down the line, it's one of those where you can start watching early, early prelims, and you're going to be pretty much guaranteed some knockouts, some finishes, almost all the way through. So um, great card. I think if I had to pick one just because it's the most wild to me, the one that, you know, not, it makes the least sense, not in a, in a bad way, meaning, you know, not deserving, but a little bit out of left field, Piotr Jan, Sean O'Malley, right? Sean O'Malley basically talked his way into this one. And that's the one I want to see. This is his moment to, you know, talk the talk, walk the walk, right? Against someone who is a legit terminator made of ice, does not quit, and is a very hard hitter, Piotr Jan. So that's my favorite, but also the main event, Oliveira Islam. Because let's see now, is the Khabib wrestling, you know, we never got the Khabib fight. This is as close to it as we're, as we're getting. Um, is, uh, is the Khabib spirit going to be in Islam and, and, or Charles, is Charles's just grit, willpower, determination, and the amazing well-rounded skill set. Is that going to, once again, prove victorious? Yeah, no, uh, I'm with you there. Um, I, I really like that Sean Peter fight. It's such a wild card and everything um, in this setting. Just uh, very cool. Um, you know what? I'm gonna, I got to show love. Benil and Matus Gamrot, I mean, the way those transitions were happening in the fight with Sarukian for Gamrot, it's like those guys hit the mat. We could see some really high-level stuff out of uh, from Benil and Matus. So uh, I think that that makes for a fun fight. Um, like you said, I mean, it's just kind of like okay. Not let's not get crazy, people. But you know, to me, it's kind of like Mayweather-Pacquiao with Charles and Islam. Like it's just like there's so many things that I just find myself saying. Like, this is such a good undercard, but it's like... And then the fight, it, it's, it's just good. Pick something. Stylistically, it's awesome. Story-wise, it's awesome. R- Redemption, vindication, legacy, honor. It's all freaking there. Just, like, I don't even want to talk about it. Just watch the fight. Let them do it. This is why John Anik gets paid big bucks. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, that that's how I feel about it, so... I'm excited. It might, we might just go straight from like recap to preview, just and go top to bottom next week if nothing yeah. happens. So <laughs> that's what's kind of that's what UFC 280 looks like. So I'm looking forward to it, um, uh, ladies and gentlemen. As always, thank you for listening. Remember to like, comment, subscribe, and we'll be back next week. Take care.